share a couple things though, before I actually officially begin the message. Sharon mentioned it in the early, uh, in her words also, you saw it in the video. And the books are available today uh, for the 40-day challenge. If you're a guest in our church, you may not know that we occasionally uh, come together and have small groups that meet for a period of six, eight weeks, depending on the season. This is going to be our Lenten, our Easter study. Uh, we'll have groups, uh, new groups uh, begin, old groups continue, uh, classes who are meeting to take hold of this. The books are available today, 40-day challenge. The words of John the Baptist, he must become greater, I must become less. The direction for this study together. If you'd like to get your book today, you can, $10, and uh, it helps us recoup all the costs for the many books that we uh, put together for you. Uh, They're available in the atrium. Go buy them today. We're especially now recruiting. This begins actually the week of February the 14th. We'd like to kind of begin it. That's when Lent begins, the Easter season. Uh, You'd like to be a host We'd love to have you let us know today, going to the back. There'll be people waiting for you and say, yeah, thank you. We're glad you're going to do that. And please note the back of your, uh, your, uh, the bulletin that you have, the registration there that tells you more about what we are doing today. Uh, there's kind of a picture uh, actually on your, uh, what, I don't know, the, the bulletin itself where we have the order of worship is what it is. On the back are areas we like, well, like to think about. Maybe a small group for you might be simply your family. That's a small group. And you leave that. We have a video that Pastor David does that leads into it. The book shares everything about what's happening. Anybody can do it. Maybe coworkers, uh, maybe neighbors, family, friends, uh, maybe just two or three people. Doesn't really matter. Maybe 20 or 30. Uh, I'm teaching the Wesley class. We'll have 100 probably in there doing the study. If you thought about that, maybe this is a year I want to do that. I want to lead a study for my family. Or I guess some coworkers, we'd love to get together. We're already doing a Bible study. Let's do this one this time. Uh, or maybe the, those I play golf with or on, on the softball team with. Uh, those are just thoughts for you. Maybe that's you today, so I wanted to share that with you this morning to kind of begin today. We're in the second week of a message series called Fuel. What fuels change, positive, growing, expanding, building change in our lives. I often say it, but life is always changing. We can't stop that from happening. We are constantly, our world's constantly changing, sometimes to the negative or not very good. We have to be positive and and really build intentionally to build and and fuel a changing life, a positive life, a a building life, a good life, a better life. So we're talking about that today. And today, healthy is a choice. You're probably thinking, oh no, healthy, healthy, you know, we hear about that a lot, but not from the perspective I'm going to share today. So prepare for that when it comes, but I'm going to kind of move into that this way. Uh, I went to college uh, in Missouri, and while there, I worked my way through college in the National Cemetery. I mowed grass, uh, set headstones, but I often mowed grass in the summertime, eight hours a day, and I mowed grass from Monday every day through Saturday, six six days a week. That's how we fed our kids. So that's what I did in that season. When I got out of Bible college, I weighed 150 pounds. Uh, people say, you kidding me? Well, yeah, I did. I weighed 150 pounds when I got out of college. And I be- became a pastor of a Methodist church uh, down in Central Texas. And I arrived there. And after about, oh, maybe, maybe a year, I remember, you know, being in the shower, you know, doing the shower thing, thinking, there's stuff here that wasn't there, you know, uh, a year ago. Maybe I ought to go get on the scales just to see, because I hadn't noticed. So I got on the scales I had gained 40 pounds in one year, 
40 pounds. Uh, and I realized later on, because I wasn't really exercising anymore and wasn't mowing the grass anymore, I was also eating Methodist food, small church food, which was casseroles. And you can't imagine how they feed you there uh, in those churches. And on my, on, my, on my way to seminary, I would just snack all the way there, snack all the way back. Anybody else have a story a little bit, maybe just a touch like that in your life? Like this year, maybe. I don't, no, don't say it was this year. Uh, you know, that's, that's, that's our world we live in, and that was my experience. Now, I also saw a survey, and the survey uh, said uh, how Europeans think of American food. Now, not all Europeans think exactly the same thing, you know, but uh, the Europeans uh, did, uh, did, did, just talked about it. And here are some of the things they said, and the food some Europeans singled out. One was grits, and the comment was, what is this? <laughs> Cheese Whiz tastes like plastic and cancer. <laughs> White bread tastes like sweet cotton. Pop-Tarts, not my words now, revolting. Beef jerky, an old shoe sole. Biscuits and gravy, disgusting. Meatloaf, why would I want a loaf of meat? <laughs> That's kind of funny. <laughs> Bacon, weird, thin, streaky, and tough. No, actually, I think probably to be an American citizen, you have to pass the bacon test, so maybe you shouldn't, you know, but that's another conversation. You can have whatever you want to. But of course, we simply adapt to whatever food we eat. We learn to like that food typically. It's part of how we are. It's habit. It's, it's what we know as a kid. It's just kind of the way, way things are for us. And, and the reality, though, is food is really only fuel. Ah, he connected it with the, with the sermon series. <laughs> serious fuel, fuel for change. That food is only fuel. It fuels our life. Fuels our being able to sing today, make our way to church, take, concentrate a little bit, take notes, you know, do your job, take care of your family. That's really what food is. It's fuel, fuel. And, and the Bible's serious about food. It's serious about it because when, when God began to form and shape Israel, he said, you'll be my people and I will be your God. And on the way to the promised land, they stopped for a while at a place called Mount Sinai and their God gave them many commandments. We know there were ten. Uh, very popular commandments, I'm sure. Uh, don't steal, kill, covet, commit adultery. You know the commandments. Uh, but there also were many other directions God gave. And he gave many instructions about the food that we should eat. In fact, he gave dietary restrictions. There are things that God said, don't eat this, 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 and that, and the other, you know. And he had a list. Now, there's a reason for that, I think, because that is part of our choice in life. And, and so it's part of who we are in this world. We, we eat some three times a day, some two, some one, some ten. We eat, you know. And it's a part of the Bible story. And so it's brought into our sense of what it is to walk with God. Food is part of it. We can't say, here's God. And here's what my, my diet is. They, they are connected together in a biblical teaching, a biblical sense. And so to live a, a God, to, for me anyway, to live a God-directed life, I think that life has to be comprehensive. It doesn't work well by trying to separate it into pieces. And we do that in our world today. 
We could say, well, my, my Christian life is one hour on Sunday or one hour every other Sunday or one hour a month or whatever we choose. And say, that's my Christian, that's my, that's my shot at the God thing. Or we might add to that other things, other events, other ways we connect with God. And we try to separate from this, oh, this is not the God thing here. This is not the Jesus thing there. Oh, this is nothing, this is not religious here. So we lay that aside and we do it set differently. And I think it's almost, imp- it, well, it is impossible to live a full, abundant, this is working really well, Christian life in a piecemeal way. We have to bring the Bible, the Holy Spirit, and our relationship with Jesus Christ into all of life, and that's the secret. I want to say that again. We have to bring the Bible, the Holy Spirit, and our relationship with Jesus Christ into all of life. That is the secret of life. Today I'm going to share just several Bible verses that I think speak to what we're talking about today, which is a healthy as a choice, a choice we make that's fuel for all of life, not just part of life. And we've looked at some of those already, but I'm going to begin with 1 Corinthians 4.2. And I'll put the words up there for you to see. Now it is required that those who have been given a trust be found faithful. Uh, That's what God says in his word to you and me today. We've been given a trust. Now what is a trust that we have? Well, we'd say the trust is, is what I got. God gave me this. You know, it's giving me a body, soul, and spirit. The Bible teaches that is a comprehensive picture of a human being. Here is a person. There's Scott right there. He's a person. He's got body, he's got soul, and he's got spirit. And that is how God created him. And so he, he, he goes to God and, and, and spirit and soul is everlasting and the body is where God it, it fills his presence within us today in this, in this service and all of life. And we're told that if that's true, then we are required to be found faithful for what God has given us. I told this story before, but I think it fits today, so I'm going to share it again. Uh, my grandmother uh, uh, was very good on occasion through the years when she was alive. She's gone on to heaven a number of years ago, but she would occasionally send us a gift in the mail. Uh, a lot of grandmas do that, right? Our grandmother sent $10, $20, $1,000. You never know when it was going to come, how much it was going to be. One time she sent a couple thousand dollars. But there were requirements connected with the gifts that she sent. They were, in a sense, a trust that she said, I love you enough, I'm going to give this to you. But I want you to treat it with respect. I want you to be appreciative of this gift. I don't want you to blow it. You know, she'd like us to save it or invest it, what she typically would want us to do, or do something that we really need to do very badly with that money. And because we love our grandma, we love grandma. Uh, so I, we, would, I, we would respect those gifts, and they came our way on rare occasions. She also wanted us to write a note on paper that said, thank you. And the weather's nice here. How's the weather there? You know, just a typical letter to Grandma. She wanted that to come back to her as a thank you. You know, that's, that's, and, and, well, I love my Grandma, and I appreciate the gift. Okay? I love God. We love God. And we appreciate the gift. And to begin to say clearly that the body that I have is a trust, a gift of a God that loves me and I love, 
really restructures how I will choose to live my life in every respect. Not just healthy diets or exercise, but every aspect of our life. If I really believe it's true, if I really believe God has given me this, and what I do with the trust required here, we're told, to be found faithful with that trust God has given me. To fail to do so is a lack of respect to the giver. And God's graceful, thank you for that. God's faithful no matter what, thank you for that. But I do want that relationship to grow with God. And so I can say I can grow my walk with God by being faithful to what he's given me. I think the Bible teaches that many, many times. Second verse I want to look at for you today is uh, 1 Corinthians 10, 12. Can God be glorified by this? These are again Bible verses. Can God be glorified by the choices I make each day? Now, I believe those who love God and are growing in their love for God have accepted God's love for us, realize that all they have is the trust God's given us, that somewhere in life we do want to glorify God. So we come to church. A worship service is about glorifying God. The orchestra prepares. Uh, they play great music. Scott leads us. Dee sang for us today. The choir's ready to be here. They're, they're all in their, in their robes this, this morning ready to sing for us. And Sandra practices Friday and Thursday to get ready for us. You know, we want to glorify God. God be glorified by us giving you what you've given us. The ability, the talent, the work, the presence, all we are. Here it is. It's what we got. We're going to give it to you. So we do that today. As you have. I'm going to go to church going to sit down, going to worship, going to give God thanks, going to be generous in the offering, the ways we give God worship. Can we think of how we care for God's trust he's given us as another way, maybe a way we have missed, have never thought about it, never done, as a way to really glorify God? I think we can. Can I thank God when I make a choice at a meal and say, I'm going to glorify you, God, today by making this choice? Can we do that? I'm going to glorify you, God, by making this choice, by making that, by not doing that, by doing this. You know, I'm not even going to begin today to try to teach you about health or diet or exercise. That's not my job to do that. I'm, just, I'm a preacher. Uh, there are lots of resources for that everywhere you want to look. Don't need that from me. What I want to do is teach you what the Bible says about who we are and how we can, if we choose to, we should want to do that, glorify the God who gives us all that we have. You know, and like we would say, thank you, Grandma, for the gifts she gave us for the years. Can God be glorified by this? Third verse, 1 Corinthians 6, 19, and, and the verses you heard read already, reiterate one of those. You are a temple of God. You are a temple of God. Of God. Unless you uh, miss what that really means, I want to show you a picture of the temple that used to be in Jerusalem, destroyed many years ago, about 2,000 years ago. Show the picture of the temple in Jerusalem. There it is. That's what the temple looked like in Jerusalem before it was destroyed by Titus in AD 72. But uh, that's an amazing place called Herod's Temple. Uh, if you can't, you can't tell looking at it right now, but uh, it's made of, most of it, of, of limestone blocks. They say weight as much as 2,000 tons apiece. 2,000 tons is a big, big block. We've seen some on the Western Wall. You can go there and some are going to go with us again in February. You can actually touch those big blocks of limestone. Others have been tumbled down. They're not there anymore. Uh, but the temple was a place where God poured the sacrifice. That means the sacrifice was made in the Holy of Holies that saved us all, forgave us of our sins. 
It also was a place where sin offerings were made, burnt offerings were made, dedication offerings were made, thank offerings were made, all in the temple. And there was a huge host of priests who took care of the temple day in and day out, all year round, every year. It was an amazing structure, an amazing place, symbolic of where God dwelt in Jerusalem, and Jerusalem where God was in the entire world. That was significant symbolically of what the temple was. So when the Bible says, you are now the temple of God, where those sacrifices are poured, that grace is given, where God's made manifest, where God is made known, where we recognize the awesome majesty of God, that we are that, it sure changes how I look at myself. I may not see myself that way. I may denigrate myself in other ways. I may say, I can't do this. I'm not this or I'm not that or the other. No, I am this because God says, you are the temple of God. And God expects something in that holy place. So when I understand who I really am, and I can glorify God in ways I never thought of before, that what God's given me is a trust, it changes how he understands something as simple as a healthy life choice. It changes that. We think of healthy this way, I think. Well, I want to be healthy so I'll feel better. And that's a good thing. That's, that's, that's a valid thing to say, I'll feel better. Or I want to be healthy so I can do what I want to do. I don't want to not be able to, to walk or run or whatever it is we like to do with our lives. So I want, I want to be healthy so I can live a long time. I don't want to drop dead and whatever. You know, those are valid, decent reasonable motivations for being healthy, but I really prefer these words here where I can say, I want to be healthy because I'm the temple of God. Because God's given me this trust and he wants me to respect that trust and I want to glorify God in the choices that I make. And so that's what I want. It really refocuses us around the ideas that may, we may neglect the, the, the insensitivity and meaning and importance of simply trying to choose healthy choices in our life and live healthy lives and live healthy ways and, and realize it's important to, 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 to us and to God to do that. And so if I do that, then I find myself living a healthy lifestyle and in that I'm actually building a stronger relationship with Jesus Christ. I'm actually growing as a godly person. It's actually spilling over into other areas of life as well, which might be my prayer life or worship life or giving a grace or serving life or just being a good person life, which is all part of, of course, following Jesus Christ. Because the next verse says it so well, Romans 12:1, you are a living gift to God. Do you see how it works together, how it, how it fits together? These Bible verses speak of things we often don't think of in the way that I want you to think of them today. I'm going to show you a picture that's on the wall of our hallway in our house. Took this a couple days ago. It's a picture of a bunch of crosses. Can we put that up there? There it is. Now, those crosses are, are my mother's crosses that went to heaven a few years ago. Uh, and my mother had those on the wall of her house. When it came time for us to kind of pick out things that we'd like to have, uh, Rhonda and I said, we want, the, we want those crosses. And so we've got those and put them on the wall. I hung all those up. So if they're not right, not in the right order, that's, hey, I did it, you know, uh, and there they are, you know, and, and I'm not someone who would ever probably do that. Not that I don't like the cross, I do, but I, I wouldn't probably have a, a wall full of crosses. I'd have a picture there, something else. But they're there because they were my mother's. And so there's a special significance to me when I see them. 
They have a meaning because they were hers and they were given to us. And so we have a different sense about them and that, that understanding of what those, those things are on the wall of our house there uh, uh, as we walk in and out probably almost every day. And to think of that, that I am that to God, I love those crosses. My mom picked them up from all over the world. All, everywhere she went, she'd pretty much bring back a cross by another kind of cross, uh, another shape of cross, all different. And that's just one wall. There's another wall that has more crosses on it. I couldn't get that one in the picture. And she just always brought them back. So they, they simply uh, show her to us in a very, I think, good way. But to think that I am that, to think that you are that to God, that God says, you're that to me. Uh, and, and, and I celebrate the value that you are to me. I celebrate the warmth of that love that we share together. And I want you to treat that with respect and hang it up on the wall. Don't put it in a box, you know, somewhere in the closet or sell it at a garage sale. That ain't ever going to happen, by the way. You know, it's, it's how God, you are, you are a living gift to God. It changes everything, how we function in our life. Well, the next one here is uh, train yourself for the holy life, 1 Timothy 4 and 7. Train yourself for the holy life. Now, the word training simply probably tells you it's not easy. It's not. Training is not easy. I'll show you a picture of a very odd sport you may have seen before. Anybody know what that's called? That's curling. Any curlers here? No curlers? No curlers? No back there? None? Okay, no curlers here. Uh, it's, they're on ice. It involves a broom, a team, and somehow it's kind of like shuffleboard. And it's actually an Olympic sport. At least it used to be. I'm not sure if it still is, but it was at one time. An Olympic sport. And it's an extremely difficult game to play well. People have to train to do that. It's very unusual to do that. You have to learn how to do it. But you can. You can. If you wanted to, you could learn how to be a curler. You'd have to practice. You'd have to find an ice rink somewhere. you have to buy the equipment and the brooms. you have to look really dumb and foolish and silly, you know, like that fellow right there does. But you'd have to do it. That's what it takes to learn how to be a curling. And, and, you, and we have to learn. We are controlled by our habits. That's why we, that's why we like biscuit gravy. I assume that you do. I, I do. I try to avoid them, but I, I, I do like them. And Europeans don't. It's just habits. They like blood sausage in England. Ooh. We had it once. We were on England trip, but only once. It's how we are. We can learn. Be surprised what we can learn if we say, I want to glorify God with everything. The offering I give on Sunday morning, the song I sing in a, in a worship moment, the time I set aside to read the Bible, when I share with my family on vacation or a trip or, or walking in the park or going to the zoo, I want to glorify God. I want to glorify God when I sit down lunch today. I'm sorry, this is before lunch, so I know you're hungry, but uh, probably are anyway if you're like me. Uh, that, that can I glorify God at lunch today? Is it possible to do that? And then you decide what that is and what that isn't. Giving thanks, of course, certainly, but is there more than that in glorifying God with your life and my life? I think there is. And we can train and learn how to do that with habits. So here's the next one. A life without self-control is like a city without walls. 
A life without self-control is like a city without walls. I love this Proverbs, this proverb verse. And I'll show you another picture. It's a picture of Jerusalem. Uh, probably a long time before the other picture. This we back in the Old Testament days, so it's kind of been put together. It wasn't really a photograph. It's what we imagined it might have looked like. Very small area out in the middle of nowhere on a mountaintop. Uh, and there's a wall around the city of Jerusalem there. Uh, now, in, in Bible times, the wall defined the existence of a city. No wall, no city. Jerusalem was destroyed in 80, 586 B.C. I'm sorry, 586 B.C. It was destroyed by King Nebuchadnezzar, no matter who it was. And they tear down the walls and they destroy a city. They don't allow you to rebuild them because they were being punished for rebelling against King Nebuchadnezzar and the Babylonian Empire. And so there were no walls there for 70 years. And so another man came back, bringing captives back from Babylon, uh, the once slaves, now free. And the first thing they did was they stopped, they prayed, and they rebuilt the wall around the city. If there's one gap in the wall, one gap is not a city, and the city's in trouble. One gap is dangerous. One gap, the enemy can break in. Security, all of it we are is defined by the walls intact around the city. So hear what I'm saying. That if I don't at least attempt to choose, make healthy choices, I've got a gap in the wall. If I have a gap in the wall, that's probably not the only thing that's going to be damaged by my choice. Because a lack of discipline also spills over to other areas of life and I find myself not really living like I want to live, making the choices I want to make, honoring God the way I want to honor God, uh, saying no to this and yes to that as a Christian man or woman, and I find myself really in trouble all the way down the line. Yet if I choose to rebuild that one part of the wall, it can begin turning everything in a new direction. So now I want to talk about Rome with heart. Run with heart's not that big of a thing. Uh, I'm on the little board that, uh, of the hospital and on the, on the board as well of the Run with Heart Marathon, Half Marathon, I'm excuse me, Half Marathon, uh, 5K, and One Mile Fun Run. Uh, so I'm not trying, if you want to, I hope you'll do it, but you don't have to. But I want to give you an illustrative sense of what I, I want you to understand today. Uh, when you hear that there's going to be in two weeks on the 30th a hospital going to cost 20 bucks or so to, to be in the thing. The money's going to go to cardiac care needs, which I certainly identify with that and, and, and affirm that, and been part of raising funds in that area for the hospital for a number of years. Uh, that, that, that you may think in your head, I am never going to do that. You may say, hey, it's a one, I'll say it's a one-mile fun run you can, or a one-mile walk. You can just walk a mile. All you got to do. Or you can, you can say, ah, I'll, do, I'll walk or I'll run three miles, 3.1. Or I'm going to do the half. Not sure how many are going to do that. I'm not doing that this year. I'm doing this a 5K this year uh, for the run. Uh, but when you think about that, many of you are already saying in your head, I don't do things like that. Don't raise your hand if you're thinking that. Because that's how we roll. That's how human beings are. Oh, excuse me. I don't do things like that. I do things like this. That's not, that's not part of my life. You know, I, I don't do that. Uh, if, if you say the same thing about, well, should I worry about what I eat? And you might say, oh, I don't do that either. I gave that up a long time ago. I tried that here back in 19 so-and-so, and I gave that up, so I eat whatever I want. You know, you, I don't do that. I don't watch what I eat. I, 
my life's too short. I want to have fun. And physics and gravy is how I have fun or whatever it is for you. You know, I'm not, what I'm trying to help us see is we, we typically say I don't do this and I do that and that's where we live our entire life. We never break loose into something different and realize, you know, I never thought of that. I never thought of a daily walk as part of my life. I never thought about running maybe being part of my life. I never thought about changing what I eat being part of my life. I never thought about not going to restaurants as much and, and cooking at home more healthy food. I never, thought about, I never thought about that. I never thought about that being a significant part of self-control and how that makes a whole complete godly life because I want to glorify God with my life. This is God's trust. Maybe I can do that. So what I want you to think about is I never thought about that. Well, maybe you you need to think about that or something like it. You go online and sign up. We're not making it a difficult thing. We're not making it uh, where you have to do that. You're not going to run by anybody when you leave today and they're going to have a poster. Please sign up right now. No, no. You have to go online to do it. You know, and I've already uh, signed up and to be part of that. But I want you to think differently with me about what it is to realize this is the trust God's given me the ways, maybe a way I never thought of, I can glorify God, never thought of that. Uh, to be a living gift to God, well, that's sure a different way of thinking about life with a faithful God. Even being trained for a life I may not experience yet, but I want to experience under the banner of a holy life, a complete life, a full life, body, soul, and spirit, and to move in that direction. And it's making the choice as we begin a new year what that might look like for us. And so we think about those things finally. A life without self-control is like a city without walls. And to think about control in the areas that God has for us changes everything for us if we're willing to do that. Will you bow with me in prayer, please? Heavenly Father, we thank you today for the words you give us, for the words of Scripture. And God, we thank you for the trust you've given each one of us, the very life that we have, the bodies we have, souls we have, the spirits we have. God, help us, God, uh, to, to, to make the right choices as you give us guidance in, your, in the Bible and the Holy Spirit in us, teaching, speaking, reminding us, you know, and even those around us who help support us. We pray, God, you'll help us in that direction. If we choose today simply to hear your voice, to lead in a new direction, and to gain, God, the life you give us in that choice. We pray in Jesus' name, amen.